Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Joel Coleman of Sports Illustrated's Cowbell Corner, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for thunder and lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Joel T. Coleman here with you on a Sunday evening, Monday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. We appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. We want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffeehouse and Churnin' Spoon Ice Cream. This weekend, we're going to make you do the walk-off is what we're calling it, right? And that what somebody suggested to us? Yeah, that was the suggestion. I like it. I can't think of anything better. So, so we're gonna. You know, one of the stops on the walk off is to head over to Strange Brew Coffee House. Grab yourself a little morning Joe. Grab yourself maybe a, a delicious baked treat. And of course, if you're gonna, you know, be on Highway 12 in that area, you can always pull in there in the drive-through and grab yourself something there. And of course, you live here in Starkville, and it's an everyday experience and a joy for you, much like my co-host Joel T. Coleman. So, great local businesses this weekend. Put Strange Brew Coffee near the top of your list. Sorry, we got a lot. We got a lot to talk about today. I'm, I'm, I'm anxious to get into it, but we got to get we got to pay the bills. College Corner wants you wearing maroon and white this weekend. It's going to be a big crowd at Duty Noble. I think we're going to hear some things. Joel, you're with me on that. We're going to hear something this week about attendance. I feel you? like that's the case, and I think they're going to uh, uh, make some uh, some adjustments to get more fans in there. And those fans need to be wearing maroon and white, or on Sunday they can wear black. You know, I'm just I'm not I'm not one of those people. No, I'm not telling you to go. You know. Try to. I don't want to jump into the Hunt Palmer mentions. I don't want any part of that. I know a certain guy that's got three hundred and something career SEC hits, three eighty three. Is that right? Something, uh, something like, that. like that. He got a lot, and uh, he would tell you got more than anybody else. Yeah, he, he'd tell you to please go buy your black. So, but whatever you're going to buy, make sure you're buying it from College Corner, collegecornerstore.com, or two locations in Jackson. They're in Ridgeland by Fleet Feet. They are in Flowood by the Half Shell. And of course, another part of the walk off is the trip to Humble Taco. That's one you probably haven't made yet. Well, it's going to be a great experience when you go this weekend. Check out Starkville's newest and best Mexican restaurant. But it's not just Mexican food. Mexican fare with Mississippi roots up and down the menu. You've got a lot of your great products from right here in the Magnolia State. And they put the twist on them and turned them into some of the best Mexican food, not only here in Starkville, but in the state of Mississippi. A lot of great options. And, of course, after the game, you want to hang out on the patio, have an ice-cold cocktail or some cold beer, Man, they got a great list of drinks for you as well. So check out Humble Taco, Starkville's newest and best Mexican restaurant. I nailed that, man. 383. Look at me. Good job. You did. Boom. You're on a predicting roll this weekend. That's not really a prediction. That's just recalling. I'm probably better at predicting than I am recalling. So I'm proud of myself. I'm not so old. I'm forgetting important statistics. There you go. Because God knows I am. Uh, I can't remember. You can remember some of the most off-the-wall Mississippi State-related stuff. I can. But then, you know, I can't remember what happened yesterday. Like, the score's 3-0, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. I was 50-50 on that. It was either (laughs) 3 or 2. I wasn't sure. Let's start with Friday. We'll go through all three of these games, and then we'll get with... we got to talk about basketball there at the end there. We can Um, do that. But let's start with Friday. I think the question we've been asking for the last 12 months was, 
Well, yeah, Christian McLeod looks good, but what's he going to look like with SEC teams? And after a shaky first inning, the answer is just the same as he looks like against everybody else. A really solid pitching performance from him. Brandon Smith on to close it out. Shout out to Richard Cross. I know a lot of you don't want to hear that, but he asked the question, hey, let's just say you know, McLeod gives you six strong innings. It's time to pull him. You're up by two. Who do you go to? And I said, Brandon Smith. That is exactly what happened. State was up to six strong innings. They went to Brandon Smith. Well, then so. shout out to Brian Haydad. That's guess, you. That's not him. I guess. Well, you we, predicted he, it. He set up the scenario for me. He, he set me up. I knocked it down. There you go. Um, but those two guys were just immaculate on Friday. Uh, and State got some timely hitting from the, the man named Braylon Skinner, who I think has sort of etched his way into the starting lineup. Uh, had a pretty good weekend. I'll be interested to see whenever they face a lefty again if, yeah. he, if he sticks. That's a good question. That's a good point. Um, but he hit a home run that may have traveled all the way to the 50-yard line at Tiger State. It may have dotted the eye of the Tiger at, at midfield. Um, and State gets a really solid season or series opening win. Friday nights are so important in this conference. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that, that's not to say you can't bounce back. Look at Arkansas. They got massacred on Friday night, come back to win the series and only give up two more runs. Yeah. But if you win that Friday game, it just sets the tone for everything else. Oh, it does. Because, I mean, the goal every single weekend is to win the series. And when you win Friday, you head into Saturday with, I mean, uh, just a touch less. A, a touch less urgency. I mean, you always want to go into every game with a sense of urgency, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, you, you go in knowing, I got two shots to win this series now. And, and there's a certain component to that where you just don't freak out as much. Mm-hmm. You know, guys can play a little more loose maybe. Um, it, it just kind of, I mean, that's the word, loose. You can go into the rest of the weekend and and breathe a little, little easier maybe. And uh, Mississippi State went out and set the tone on Friday night and you feel really darn good when you got Will Bedner sitting there on Saturday after you've won that Friday game about your chances to go ahead and get that second one. Um, and then you we'll get to Sarantola in a minute, but when you have that ability level plus the bullpen that State has, you feel darn good that surely you can get one of those last two if you get the first one. And that was the situation State found itself in. And, and McLeod was great, and the one run he gave up, we can sit here and – I think it's fair to say it shouldn't have scored. It's one of those unearned, earned runs. Yeah, it'll always go in the books as an earned run, but... Yeah, you can't, can't call it an error, but... Somebody's got to catch yeah. that ball, um, yeah. and, and they didn't. And it's, hey, it's baseball. Sometimes you just... Happens. And Mississippi State was in a position where, you know, that, that was a... They were already up 2 nothing. That made it 2-1, and, and it wasn't long before State... I think they got the run right back if I remember right, because I think Skinner got his RBI single yeah. the very next inning to make it 3-1. Mm-hmm. And then late in the game, Skip Carey would say, you know, a little insurance doesn't hurt. And then the, <laughs> that the, the dogs add three more and, than and coast to the win. So, yeah. And then you're sitting there, sitting pretty, going into Saturday. Yeah. I think what we saw with with this team, it's on Friday and Saturday especially, this is what the team – and it was on Sunday too. They're not going to score a ton of runs. They're going to rely on their pitching staff to keep them close the whole game. And if they can get four or five, they're definitely going to win the game. I mean, this Mississippi State team right now, we can get to this in a minute, but they're they're a consistent offense away from being a, a, just a, right. a, a Omaha train. This, I mean, this just, staff and the nineteen batting order. No, it, this is they're they're just a, they're a runaway train. Yeah, yeah. There's no question. This but, staff and the sixteen batting order, you might as well get your ring sizes. <laughs> okay, okay, Joe. Joe. Warhead. Calm, down, calm down over there, Joe. It'll be all right. 
<laughs> yeah, but you're not, you're not wrong. I mean, they, that's why it's going to be important as this season continues to continue to try to find consistency. Hatcher's getting the average up. Uh, Luke Hancock had a rough weekend. Scotty DeBrule had a rough weekend. The bottom of the order today on Sunday had a rough weekend. But, you know, getting if Braylon Skinner can become a consistent bat. And again, consistent bat doesn't mean he has to hit 450. Yeah. Can he be a guy who hits 280 to 300? Gives you a little pop, legs out some infield hits. Steal some back. If he can do those things, perfect. Yeah. I mean, it's the, it's the common th- theme that we're going to have all year long with this team. You know, coming out of LSU, the, the term fits. It doesn't have to be gorilla ball where you go out there and hit five over the wall every game and you, you score 10 runs. And I, that's not what this offense needs to do. You know, manufacture a run every couple innings and then you, you get to the end of the day and you. <laughs> You got five runs. Most days, that's going to be enough with the staff. It yeah. wouldn't have been on Sunday, but right. that's neither here nor well, there. We'll most days, yeah. most days, five runs with this pitching staff is going to win you the game. What about McLeod? How, how, especially getting out of that first inning, because the first inning it looked like, oh no, here we go, and then he gets himself out of it, and then from there, what he retired eleven in a row before the yeah uh, something like that. the blooper, I, and yeah. I mean, he's it good. It's why all along this isn't to pat myself on the back because I think a lot of us felt this way. I never had any doubts about Christian McLeod. I mean, I went into all the discussion of how is this rotation going to shake out going into this past weekend, and now we got to have that conversation again, by the way, here in a minute. But Yes, we do. Um, at no point have we ever thought, well, Christian McLeod looked a little shaky in a start or two. Right. He's going to get taken. There's something about Christian McLeod and just his level-headedness and just his body language and just – there's something about him – that just speaks to Ace, like Mr. Consistency. Mm-hmm. I know he had a rough outing or two, but there was something about him all along where you just felt like, oh, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he goes out and shoves against Eastern Michigan, and I think we'll never be able to, to quantify it, but I will believe that those five innings against Eastern Michigan where he just looked absolutely brilliant kind of allowed him to settle back into, oh, yeah, I'm better than pretty much everybody mode yeah. and then he goes out there and on friday he was you know the best player on the field essentially and 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 leads you to the win he was the best player on the field friday but i'm not sure he's the best pitcher on the staff yeah that may be saturday's guy uh will bedner was just absolutely fantastic in his first start of the season uh shut out baseball seven strikeouts in five innings against a guy that you basically had to pitch shut out baseball. right against. you knew with marceau it was going to be like that state again gets some timely hitting and gets a three nothing win Again, you only throw two pitchers, or three pitchers. Preston Johnson, in a move that, that's made some people scratch their heads, but kudos to Chris Lamonis, I think. I think he felt like, look, if the kid gets in any trouble, I'll get, we'll get Lambden Sims, and we'll, it'll be okay. He'll shut him down. And he gave Preston Johnson a chance to pitch some pressure-packed you know, at-bats. And now you trust him to do it again if right. it ever has to happen. Right, and then you go to Landon Sims the final two innings, and what does he do? Well, he slams the door. Now 31 and, and, out of 35 outs are strikeouts. Yeah, and, and by doing it that way, it ended up not mattering. But, you know, if State would have went into the ninth inning on Sunday with a one-run lead, it wouldn't have shocked me at all to see Landon Sims right back out there. You know, yeah. after only throwing a couple innings on Saturday – he, oh, he could have mustered lead, another inning on he, Sunday. If State had gone to the eighth or the ninth of the lead, he'd have pitched. Yeah, I have no doubt about it. And that. so, if you can, you know, if you can have those games where Landon Sims doesn't have to throw, but I don't know what his pitch count was at on Saturday night, but it wasn't a ton. If you can have those kinds of games where you can weaponize Landon Sims twice in a weekend, you darn <laughs> sure do it. And uh, you just didn't get that chance. But 
yeah, I'm with you. I was shocked that Preston Johnson handled those middle innings. Um, not because I think he's a bad pitcher. I think he's a good pitcher. It's just when you have a one-run lead in Baton Rouge, who's the guy that you trust the most? The answer to that is probably Landon Sims. But, I mean, Crystal Mona showed that he's got a lot of trust in Preston Johnson to throw him yeah. in that situation. And then Johnson yeah. responded by rewarding yeah. his coach's confidence. And Getting out. I'm going to guess that he's going to get more of those uh, close game opportunities moving forward and that's that man just lengthens lengthens the staff even more and and allows you to have those weekends where you can you can use sims twice in a weekend because you got other guys you trust to to get you into those really late innings yeah and but bedner of course i mean first start of the season you you, you had to wonder a little bit was he going to be okay especially that matchup you know you're going up against a guy who's not given up a run all year an earned run anyway you know that, that's pressure that's pressure and you've won the first game and you want to get that series win there and he just went out there like there was nothing to it. I mean, he, he looked completely at ease, basically, from the first batter on. Yeah, well, he, he he ran into trouble in the first, partly not his own doing. Right. Um, I think they actually ruled the the first batter. I think they ruled it a single, but it they ruled it a single and an error to get him to second. To me, that should have been an E6 all the way. Um, wild throw by Forsyth. But, I mean, it put State in a pickle there in the first inning with LSU runners on the corners and nobody out and... You know, if you fall down in that inning one or two to nothing and, and they've got Marceau on the mound and Alex Box gets rocked, you don't really like your chances there. Right. But Bedner just, I don't know, man. He just sits there and I think he gets a strikeout and then after that the double play ball to get you out of it. And then next four innings, it, you know, they, they didn't really have much of a chance against him. And lo and behold, you look up and you got a lead and, and State, you know, rolls on from there and you get out of the first two games only having given up a run against that LSU offense mm-hmm. that led the NCAA and homers coming into the weekend yeah. that has guys up and down that they can hit. I mean, I I think all of us went into this past weekend thinking State had a shot to at the very least win the series, but if I don't know that I would have believed, even with this pitching staff, they would have gone through the first 18 innings allowing one run. But that's what they did. That's, that's exactly what they did. I mean, yeah, that that's... If you only give up one run in the first two games of the series, I'll almost guarantee you're 2-0. Something strange could happen. Yeah. But I would almost be willing to guarantee that you're, you're, you're good to go in that situation. So, yeah, just a, a very solid first two days of, of, of SEC play for Mississippi State. They looked it, – it, it's sort of interesting to me how much they looked like what I thought they would look like. Like, I was like, okay, they're going to have great pitching – it's going to take some timely hitting. Bottom of the order is going to have to come up with some some hits every now and then and sort of take it from there. Now, you remember on Friday's show, I said I thought Scotty DeBrule would be a big factor. He was no factor whatsoever. In fact, uh, got pinch hit for in the late innings on yeah, Sunday. Yeah, and so he, you know, he's sort of he's sort of dropping off here as the other guys that we've been talking about, like Rowdy had a few hits this weekend. I, one thing I did like about State, especially on Sunday, I didn't notice a ton of, of strikeouts. They were putting the ball in play pretty much all weekend. Well, there wasn't a ton of velocity that they had to face on Sunday. It was, yeah. I mean, that, that's part of it, I think. Yeah. Um, but even on, kind of even a, on Friday, Saturday, you know, they were they were they were putting the ball in play a lot. Yeah, and I, I just feel like that's a good sign. Those those balls will drop. The wind obviously played some uh, some effect on Friday and Saturday. Maybe kept a couple balls in the park for both teams. You couldn't keep Braylon Skinner's in the park, but I thought State's batting was, you know. This is what it's going to be this year. It's going to be, you know, hit or miss at times. You've got to hope by the end of the season that you're hitting well, but you know that your pitching is good enough to carry you there. So, you know, with Bedner, the way he pitched, I'm just 
I mean, you should just be excited. 74 pitches. That's the other thing to be excited about. You know, you saw this weekend Jack Leiter throws a no-hitter, but he threw, what, 100 and some odd pitches? I think it was 120. 20. It was 120-something. Kumar Rocker was over 100. Gunnar Hoagland was over 100 for Ole Miss. Cloud threw, like, I think 73 pitches. Bender threw 77. I mean, you don't have to kill these guys, especially in the first week of the season. Yeah, you know, we'll see how it plays out. But if you get into, you know, when, when you get into Friday super night. regional play or if you get to Omaha and, and, and like, Rocker and Lighter are there, mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to bear watching that you have a if, – if State and Vandy, for instance, meet up in Omaha. Yeah. And, and you got a staff that their starters only had to throw 70 to 80 pitches a start, and mm-hmm. then you had Kumar Rocker and, and Lighter out there throwing 120 plus. a start. I mean – are those arms a little bit tired by the time you get to home? I, I mean, don't know if it matters with Rocker. It may not. Because Rocker but, is just a freak of nature. But lighter, I mean, yeah, it could matter. You know, I think it's going to matter for Ole Miss. I mean, Nikhazy is already hurt, and you're going to throw Hoagland 110-plus pitches. you got to be careful with those kind of things. LSU threw Jaden Hill over 100 pitches on Friday. I mean, just don't need to do that kind of stuff for Mississippi State. There's no need for it. It all depends on the guy, too. Cause, it I mean, does. You know, like, like I said, with Rocker, I don't think it matters. That you much. know, back in the day, um, like early 90s, you never heard much anything about pitching count, you know, pitch count. But, but it was a thing. And that's why LSU consistently would have great pitchers who never made it in the pros because they didn't have anything left. Like Ben McDonald, he had nothing yeah. left to give in the pros because they consistently threw 125, 130, and then would come back on like – Two or three days rest to give you an inning. Sometimes in those postseason situations, I mean, you got you got to manage your pitching staff. So I think I think Chris Lemonis and Scott Foxhall do a fantastic. And of course, it helps when the next guy out of the bullpen is no drop off from the guy leaving the mound. This isn't. I mean, a that's very true. I mean, State is just blessed as almost. The I mean, word. there's there's ten or twelve guys that if they run out there, you think that's not a bad choice. You yeah. know, I mean, it's it, it is incredible the number of options reliable options they have. I guess they've always had options, but there's always been a guy or two on every team where when they go out there, you're like, I don't know. I don't know if that's going to work out. For Mississippi State, that guy, the guy that started Sunday's game. (laughs) I mean, it's gotten to that point where there's just no trust there. Let's move on over to Sunday then. That's brought to you by our good friends over at Welcome Home Beef. If you were paying attention on Twitter for Saturday... You saw that I had quite the welcome home beef feast at my house, with which Joel Coleman was in attendance. And for. I must say, it was delicious. Did it just taste good? It absolutely did. And that's the kind of stuff that I can do, man. And that's the kind of stuff you can do when you call Welcome Home Beef. They've just got all sorts of cuts there, and they're willing to talk you through stuff. And if you see something online, that's how it worked for me. I saw one of Malcolm Reed's videos. I said, that's an interesting uh, cut of meat there. It looks delicious. I made the call to Welcome Home Beef. Can you get me one of those? Oh, we've got them all the time. All you got to do is drop by and pick one up, and boom. Next thing you know, I'm enjoying it. So, beef, pork, they're your, they've got a, a, the country-pleasing selection. They've got all sorts of stuff. Fish. It's just everything's right there in the store. And, of course, things can be right there in your store. If you're not already one of the nice, the great local markets here in North Mississippi that's getting Welcome Home Beef sit, put on the shelves, well, you need to find out why. Call your local grocers today. And call Welcome Home Beef and find out what they can do for you at 262 268 8148 or visit them online at welcomehomebeef.com and just like Joel saw on Saturday night it just tastes good two brothers that's another stop yep. that's the final stop on the walk off you're going to head to two brothers this weekend and enjoy some fantastic food one of the best menus in Starkville so many different things to enjoy something for everybody 
the best smoked wings in town. They've got great barbecue, great burgers, great sandwiches, and all sorts of other good stuff. And, of course, again, if you're just looking to have a night out with the, with the guys or the girls, lots of craft cocktails and cold beer to pick from. Great patio, great everything at Two Brothers. Don't miss it this weekend when you're in Starkville for baseball. Head over there and enjoy yourself at Two Brothers Smoked Meats, smoked southern soul food in the Cotton District. Advantage Business Systems knows, hey, right now is a time to start thinking about the rest of this year. I know it's early. It's early, but profits in, you know, decisions made in March turn into profits in December. So what you need to do right now is find out how businesses across this state have been dealing with Advantage Business Systems for nearly 50 years and how you can put that power behind you. Call them today at 601-362-9192 or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. Joel, we can't talk about potential. We can't talk about these things anymore. It's, it, the, it, it's come time. Yeah. I, I, I got an analogy for you. And I saw it on a message board, and I'm going to tell you right now. I had thought of this before I saw it. So I'm taking credit, but I'll give, you know, if you're listening, uh, you're, you were, we were on the same page. Eric Sarantola is Stephen Gidry. He's got all the tools. He can get open. But he can't catch the ball. Sarantola's got all the tools. <laughs> but he, can't he can get on the mound, strike. but he can't throw strikes. And so that's what happened. After one and a third no-hit innings, and we saw him hit two, walk two, and give up two runs, the Eric Sarantola experiment, to me, I'm not saying it's over, but the idea of him being the weekend starter is yeah. on the shelf for now. It's got to be, right? I can't foresee him being named a starter against Arkansas this coming weekend. Right. Like, I, I don't you can know hear how you the can frustration do. in Lamonis's voice. You, you, he, the, the cons, you're right. You said it after the Eastern Michigan series. That was the outlier here. Um, you just can't trust him, you know? Mm. And that's not to say he can't maybe get a midweek start or two and um, or maybe a bullpen appearance or two. The thing is, though, man, if you can't throw strikes, you want that coming out of your bullpen? Right. You, yeah, I mean, people throw that, keep throwing that out there, like put him in the bullpen. Like, so you're going to bring him in, couple guys on in a tie ball game? No. He, I, I would honestly keep him as a starter, and and let him have the first inning in the midweek and see what happens. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe his role right now is like if State goes into the middle innings and they're down a run and the other team's threatening to b- break it open or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe you put him out there as in the off chance. Maybe this is the night he just strikes out three in a row and get out of the jam, like kind of thing, and. When you're already losing and you just need to see if you can hang on, maybe he's the Hail Mary kind of deal that you throw out. I don't know. But when he's out there, you want to throw up some Hail Marys because you just don't trust at all. That And, man, when he misses, mm-hmm. he's not close yeah. sometimes. I mean, it's it, just, it, was, it was beyond, you know, unlucky. It was beyond, uh, you know, mental at this point. It, it was well, – he can't – find the strike Well, zone. I tweeted that, and, and it's 100% the truth, uh, because I said it, and I don't want to say, you know, no. it's, it's, every time he gets beat, it's not the other team that beats him. He beats himself every single time, yeah. and that's the maddening thing, is because he has, I know everybody gets tired of hearing the word stuff, but I don't know from a stuff standpoint, he's up there with the... The greats in MSU history, as far as what he 
the tools and the, mm-hmm. the the stuff that he has. But if you can't throw that stuff over that white shape, at, at I think it's a pentagon, isn't it? What, yeah, I guess so. Five five corners. Yeah. It's like a triangle on top of a rectangle. Yeah, something like that. Anyway, if you can't throw it over that thing... It it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't matter. So, and then to immediately see Fristo come in and be effective was a double gut punch. I know the game got away from State late, but I always think, you know, State comes out... And I honestly thought State getting the first run, I was like, maybe that'll... Having the lead will settle him down, and, and, you know, and then his first pitch was a ball. And I knew, I knew immediately, I was like, nope. Nope, because if he had command, he would have been like, I'm putting this plate, putting this right over the plate, and we're going to go. And the thing with Sarantola, too, and you saw it when he uh, when he hit the batter. He hit. Frustration. His, his body language yeah. just screams frustration. I, I can't do any. You ever have like a day where everything goes bad, and by the end of it, you're just like shaking mad? Yeah. That's what he was. He's just like, I can't do anything right. You know, and I feel for the guy. I do. But in the business of college baseball and winning games, there, it's got to have to make for the, it for our Braves fan listeners. I mean, the comparison here a little bit is like Mike Fultonevich, who uh, I have no idea who that is. Well, he he could be so darn good, but like sometimes he'd walk a batter and just he'd blow up. Like it, his body language would be terrible and things like that. Anyway, he's no longer a Brave; he's a Texas Ranger. But the Sarantola has a little bit of that in him. Like if there's one walk, you best get ready because there's six more coming. I mean, it's it is. Uh, it's at a point where you've just got to take him out of the rotation and figure out some other way to try and get him on track because I wrote a column going in this weekend that Chris Lamonis can't make a bad decision, couldn't make a bad decision because mm-hmm. you got to, no matter what you do, you can make a case for it. Going into second weekend, I don't think you can make a case to put Sarantola no, back in no the rotation because Fristo has to get the start. Um, and you heard it. You going heard, in, go going into week two, you're not in a situation where. You can just keep kind of, you know, screwing around and seeing what happens. If you were playing like Missouri or Kentucky, you could maybe justify. Well, it. not even then, because then you need to win those. I mean, I get games, what you're saying, but, but you would feel like you would be able to hit them. But with Arkansas coming in, you don't want to squander the momentum of winning a road series. Yeah. So. The thing I will say though, and kudos to Chris Lamonis, by taking Sarantola out when he did on Sunday, mm-hmm. I don't think that anyone. And you may disagree with this, and feel free if you want to. But I don't think anyone can say that they lost Sunday because of Sarantola. Like, I, right? They I, could I, say it up until State started giving away more runs. Maybe, but I mean, Fristo comes in in a tie game with right. a clean with a clean inning. So but basically, when he, when he gives it was, up the home run and it's three two, and you're thinking, okay, it would be two one if you had started Fristo. I, I believe that, but eventually it gets to eight to three. You're like, okay, you never I can know, take the but. Blame off, but. At the same time, you never know how that game turns out. If you if you come out one nothing and pitch a shutdown inning, you don't you don't know. I but thought, still, when you, when Fristo comes in and it's a two two game in the third, it's a very much winnable game. You know, I mean, you're gonna there's gonna be a, a game at some point this year where McLeod gives up a couple of early runs. You know, I, because it's two two in the third. Fristo comes in and you still have a shot to win that game. You know, if anybody out there is like, "Oh, we lost that because of Sarantola," no, I mean. You didn't hit well enough to win the game on Sunday, for one. Um, there's a lot of reasons why you lost Sunday's game. You didn't play well from top to bottom, for the most part. And, right. Uh, but you have no excuse. Back, I guess to bring this back around where I was saying earlier, going into week two of SEC play here, I don't think Chris Lamonis has made many, if any, coaching mistakes since he's been at Mississippi State. He has a knack 
for pushing the right button. And, and when he makes it's one, uncanny. if he makes sort of one, he corrects immediately. Yeah. Um, whether it was the whole Fosky moving him back to second right, right, thing right. Or, or the foresight it's, making your team. It's funny in that it feels like he puts a lot of thought into his decisions, but he's also not afraid when he does the Brian thing. When presented with new evidence, yeah. I can change my mind. I, I think I think if he was to keep Sarantola in the rotation this coming weekend, that's that's a mistake. I agree. And I don't I think I don't think, think it's one he's going to make because I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think, as you just said, when presented with more evidence – he changes course pretty quick. Quickly, I think he has been now presented with the evidence that, yep, Jackson, you've got the hogs if, if this you weekend, buddy. To him on, on CowboyCorner.com, uh, you heard when he was asked about Sarantola, there was a very frustrated, almost anger, to his his answer. There really was. But talking about Fristo, he was very pleasant, and you could tell. I mean, it, the the changing of the guard is happening here. There's just no question about that. All in all, for Mississippi State, two wins. Another good week for the Bulldogs. Vanderbilt dropped the game. Arkansas dropped the game. I don't think anything movement will happen there. State will still be nah. third. State had a chance. Had they won today, probably go up to number one with Arkansas and Vandy both losing. But as it is. You know, in one of the is it D1 that Arkansas is number two? Yeah, well, yeah. State's three in all of them with Baseball America, right? Is it Vandy, Arkansas? Uh, where, where I was going with this was Arkansas got just railroaded on Friday night. You know, just yeah. got hammered. Yeah. I wonder if you can make a case to they just flip-flop State and Arkansas. We'll I don't I know. I mean, they're playing each other this weekend. Maybe you just let it stand pat and see what happens. Could, could do it. So, great baseball this weekend for sure uh, here at Mississippi State. Basketball season will continue. The beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> Mississippi State grabs the win over St. Louis. In a uh... <laughs> all right. First off, let's just get let's get the funny part out. It's funny that states won and Ole Miss didn't. It's just fun. <laughs> the Mississippi just... State men's basketball still going. It's and still Ole Miss going, and Ole Miss is not going. That is just <laughs> a humorous thing to me. Call it what you will. MSU seventy four, St. Louis sixty eight. Uh, state shoots fifty percent for the game. Shoots seventy eight percent from the line. Uh, so that's a, that's obviously going to be a good thing for them. Uh, they out-rebound the Billikens by three. Uh, three players in double figures. DJ Stewart has 20. Iverson Molinar with 19. And uh, 10 points for uh, for Derek Fountain, believe it or not. Eight and six for Tolu Smith. Now, DJ, seven turnovers is not great. State had 18 turnovers. He had seven of them. Yeah, there were some points in that game that were the old bowl and shoe ugly. Uh, it, was... it was a very typical Mississippi State basketball game. One that felt like it should have been much easier to win. But it wasn't, and that's because it just that's how it has to be. Cam Matthews again making big plays. You know, he's been such an up and down guy this year. But he and Davon Smith and Derek Fountain, those are three pretty impressive freshmen. I can say all the right things and can, and can try to convince you that this team's going to be much better this year because if everybody if everybody on this team comes back and they add, you know, they are adding Keyshawn Murphy and Alden Applewhite, and if they can maybe add a, a, an impact transfer, I would go after a point guard. And maybe you know, maybe if they if they got room for one more, uh, sort of what they wanted with Jalen Johnson this year, a guy who could just be like a spot up three point kind of threat. But yeah, this team should be pretty good next year, and I think these games we talked about it the other day, they're good for this program to win these games. You know, I yeah. I think they they're, they they have a chance now. They're playing Richmond next. We'll see if they can make a little bit of a run. And I mean, at this point too, for, with this team, it, it it may sound weird to say, but. The pressure's off, man. There, there is not, no pressure for Yeah, this you're not yet. trying to get into the NCAA tournament. I mean, they can just kind of go have fun again. And if you – I mean, if you lose out of the NIT, I mean, you want to win, right? But if you lose and your season's over, 
I don't think that there's going to be a locker room with a lot of tears. You know, it's just there's no pressure here. It's just fun, and uh, let's see how far you can go, kind of deal. And, and you're right. I mean, you're seeing you're seeing these guys get some more playing time. You're seeing these freshmen continue to develop. You're seeing. I mean, I, I've said all along, all year long, this team seems to like each other. Mm-hmm. They they kind of, they seem to like Coach Howland. I mean, it. It's it's a, such a weird situation. It feels like the chemistry was good, like the the, the leadership was good. They have some talent. I mean, they have three guy, two guys averaging double figures, and then you have Tolu Smith also averaging double figures and led the conference in double doubles. If I just tell you, hey, look, this team has no locker room issues. They got these three guys averaging this. What would their record be? You might tell me they won like twenty games, <laughs> but they didn't, and that's why everybody is just so done with Ben Howland. And it, it, I don't know. I don't know if winning the NIT would get people like okay. I just think people are in, are just in total prove it. Now, go to the winning the who won last year's NIT? I have no idea. I can't tell you who won last year's NIT. I, I don't even know where well, to last begin. Year there wasn't an NIT. So oh, well, that's right. Who who won two years ago's NIT? You, I don't even remember who won the NCAA tournament two years ago. <laughs> Do you? Tell me. I, I think they beat Gonzaga. I, I don't know. But that's yeah. what, but but I'm not saying and I'm not saying it makes a huge difference. I'm just saying there might be some people who say, okay, he got these guys to play. Pre- Look, if they win the NIT, they will have won I think eight of their last ten games. I mean, that's not that bad. If they could have just beaten the team, it's the same story. <laughs> this whole season is not who they lo- they beat; it's who they lost to. If they had just beaten the two sub 100 net teams they played. <laughs> Texas A&M and Vanderbilt, and found a way to maybe hold on against Kentucky or have beaten Ole Miss while they were down. Yeah. They're in the NCAA tournament this week. Heck, weekend. the way I see it, Brian, they are an NCAA tournament team. They just beat St. Louis, who was the top. Top alternate. The and top VCU alternate, had to come VCU out. VCU came out. Mississippi State should be in the NCAA tournament right now. Virginia won the last national title. Oh, that's right, because they, they lost they as lost a one. 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they won the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the other day they lost as a... 13. A 13. Did you see that every seed except 16 won in this tournament? That's in the first incredible, round? man. One through 15, you had at least one winner. It really has been a pretty dang entertaining tournament so it's far. It's been fun. And Oral Roberts is uh, battling with Florida as we speak. I don't know what that game's going to turn out, so we'll see. All right. Uh, but yeah, what else do you got to talk about? Yeah, I wasn't a part of it, but you got to talk to Zach Arnett on uh, Saturday. What, yeah, what we talked to Nikki McCray Pinson on Friday too, and talked to the, talked about that. If you want to hit on any of that, let's talk about that for a minute. Because again, I I was at the uh, the sports book doing the, the remote stuff, so I wasn't part of that. And quite honestly, that was more noteworthy to talk about than look. I love Zach Arnett, but it's spring with the defensive coordinator. We didn't learn much of anything. I agree. I mean, he did a good job with what we asked him, but what can you say? They're running around in shorts. Right, which is pretty much what he would tell you. Yeah. Um, Nikki McCray-Penson wrapped up the season. She admitted that it was her plan to just go ahead and, and stop the season. Uh, you know, that, she, that she, I felt like, first off, whenever I hear a coach talk about championship standard, my eye immediately starts to twitch. Well, if you, if you watch it, then you're going to be twitching a lot because she said it, if she said it once, she said it about two dozen times. Yeah. And... I don't like hearing about the pandemic because everybody went through it. Yeah. Everybody went through it. And I know it was tough, but everybody had to go through it. That's 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 the thing. It was part of the story of this team. 
it was part of the reason this team struggled. Look, the truth of the matter is, them playing two or three games in a 30-day stretch or whatever it was, that didn't help. Right. But don't... But it, they like, were playing it, poor before it, and they played poor after it. And I'm talking... I will never be a women's college basketball coach or a college coach of any kind. Right. But even if that's the truth, your fans don't want to hear it. Right. <laughs> like, what you... If, and if you had had a down year where you made the tournament as like an eight seed and you wanted to talk about that, maybe maybe people could buy it. But missing the tournament completely, nobody's buying you. Nobody. Yeah. And so uh, they tried to get an answer out of her about Rakia Jackson returning. Was not offered. Just said that she had eight players committed. Now, I don't know if that means the, the her recruiting class included, which would mean that only four players on the current roster are still part of this team. Or does she mean eight players plus what's coming? I don't know. But her frustration was was evident and palpable. But at the same time, she didn't really offer any solutions. I mean, you know, Nikki was in a situation with that press conference. For once, she had to do it. I mean, I, I mean, when you don't play in the WNIT and you have a, a team that fell off as much as this one did from years past. I mean, you, you kind of owe it, I think, to speak to your, not to us reporters, but so you have an outlet so your fans can hear your explanation. I think you kind of owe that to your fan base. Yeah, I agree. Um, so she had to do it. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. there ain't nothing she could have said. Right. She, she has run into the Joe Moorhead issue that we talked about on this show yeah. back a couple years ago yeah. where, you know, you could go out there and talk about you know, curing cancer. So nobody cares what you have to say right now. Right. They just there is there is very little that you could say or you could tell her to say or you could script out to where the fan base is going to say, "Oh, I get it." Right. There's yeah. there was nothing that could have come out of her mouth. Right. That would have made the fan base be like, "Oh, I see why our she our, our, there. our Vic team Schaefer went- bribed these kids <laughs> to take to, 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 to sabotage me." So so Nikki was in a really a zero-win situation where she had to talk, but nobody wanted to hear what she had to say. But she put herself there. It's sort of I mean, it's sort of a vicious circle here. You know, everybody's mad at Nikki, but Nikki had to explain why you're mad, but everybody's mad. It, it, it just never ends. Yeah. So. I do. I did like there for a little while when it started mm-hmm. how she talked about, and I look, maybe it was the, your first eye twitch, but there's a championship standard and, and they didn't live up to it kind right. of thing. That that was kind of... I almost wish somebody could have been in the background like waving at her saying, cut it right there. Just stop. Because then, oh. then, it, cause then it went into the talking about the pandemic and stuff. Right. And, and that's where a lot of folks are going to see that as excuse making and whatnot. And anyway, uh, as I said, I... I she was in a no-win situation because nobody, everybody wanted to hear from her, but yet nobody wanted to hear what she had to say. I right, it's right. Catch no, twenty-two. Right. What do you do? You're right. So, will be an interesting off. She has the most interesting offseason coming up of anybody, of anybody. Got to reload and figure things out, and then next year they need to be back in the mix. I'm not saying maybe for like a one seed nationally, but they not even saying maybe not to compete with South Carolina, but they better be in that. You know, you got to get in the tournament. Well, no, no, you got to be like a four or five seed in the tournament. You got to be good next year. I don't think it's going to be good enough to scrape in as the last at large next year. I don't think that. 
given how how much it kind of looked like it fell off, you might want to. <laughs> I, I know, but I'm yeah, not I mean, going to. I'm not. This is so many people have. You know, they, I love. There's a guy on on 24 talks about the po old Mississippi State mentality. The problem is he is a total victim of it. I am not. All right. I'm going to set. You got a championship standard? Okay, achieve it. <laughs> you said it. I didn't say it. Same thing with Joe. I didn't tell you to go look for a ring size. You said it. Go do it. And if you can't do it, then get the hell out. <laughs> don't don't tell me that you have a championship standard and then finish three games over 500 and make the tournament as an 11 seed. <laughs> don't tell me that. It's just simple as that. I mean, I, I, if you want to argue with me, that's fine. But you said championship standard. I didn't say it. Next thing, you know what we're going to hear next year, right? You guys can't see how good they are at practice. That's coming. <laughs> They're just so good in practice. And then uh, that, that's when I'll know it's time to tap out. We'll see. All right. No show tomorrow. Uh, I will be off work tomorrow, off Sports Talk Mississippi as well. So if you if that's a deal breaker for you, I'm sorry. Uh, but uh, I'll be back on Tuesday as it will, Joel. So rumblings on our Wednesday podcast. Send those in. We'll recap mid. We'll do what we did last week. We'll recap midweek baseball. Well, and I don't know if they'll play because the weather forecast does not. Look if it great doesn't for happen, Tuesday. doesn't happen. Right. Well, who are they playing? I, I haven't looked yet. Uh, North Alabama on right. Tuesday. That's a dangerous game. They beat Ole Miss a couple. So years. we'll recap if they play it. We'll recap it the next day. Right. Right. And we'll do our running back uh, preseason positional breakdown, and then Friday's show will be uh, previewing it. The, the huge Hogs. series. Now, plus, we'll, There's uh, an NIT game in there somewhere. It's on Thursday, so we'll talk about that on Wednesday's show as well. So Wednesday show should be a big one. Oh, and we're only like two two events happening away from MSU versus Rick Stansberry. <laughs> the brawl to settle it all. We'll see what happens. Guys, have a great uh, Monday. Joel, I'll be back with you on Wednesday. For Joel T. Coleman, Ooh. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.